one particular muddy puddle must have prompted it. You're like, this is the best day ever, <laughs> um, which is just wonderful because you don't often get that from them. Hello, you're listening to Truthbook with me, Catherine Smith, a mum and clinical psychologist. I am on a mission to get us more connected, sharing real stories about family life. You will let out a sigh of relief knowing it's not just you, be empowered by other people's words and share a giggle at the funnier side of family life. And now in episode six, I have been so encouraged by the feedback I've had so far. From a listener in Wales, oh my God, I just love this. So much rings true. To a listener in Tasmania, just listened to your podcast back to back. Brilliant stuff. Have to say I got a lot from it and look forward to hearing more. Well, Thank you for your encouragement. I'm delighted to get this response. And here we go into episode six. In my chat with Susie, we talk about her experience of providing 24-7 care for her son when he broke his femur, whilst he sat back and enjoyed hospital food with no veggies. Finding a new joy in getting outdoors with kids and never-ending disruptions that come with parenting. You'll also hear passionate words about achieving equity rather than equality between men and women. And how Susie gets in touch with her inner child. So I'd like to welcome Susie to Truthbook. Um, Susie is multifaceted, a PhD physicist who's naturally found herself in management roles in engineering and renewable energy. And she's passionate about running and adventure. She was a chief scientist for the British Exploring Society on expeditions in Svalbard, Greenland and Arctic Norway, and has written a book, Scottish Trail Running. And Susie and I met ski touring, where a conversation about Susie needing some desk space led to her joining my husband's design engineering team, 4C, and going on to manage it when we moved to Australia. She's since moved on from that role and is now a business and technology development consultant. And Susie is also mum to Nina, who's four, and Eric, who's six, and married to Dougal, who is one of the only people I know who does kite skiing in Scotland. So welcome to Truthbook, Susie. I'd, I'd like to, uh, to just start by asking you, what's harder, running my husband's design consultancy full of adults who think they're kids or looking after a four and six-year-old? <laughs> Uh, that is quite a tough one. Um, I know this is Truthbook, so I shouldn't totally duck that question. Um, both have their moments, but actually yes. both are hugely, hugely rewarding. So I mm. guess I've only ended up at A&E with the children, so 4C are totally in my good books on that front. You have had an A&E trip, haven't you, with your kids? We have indeed. We have indeed. Yes. Yeah, no, we had a broken leg last year, which was um, entertaining. Not me, who was actually on the ground for it. I was actually away on business at the time, but sort of had to come back and sort of sweep up the the car that had been abandoned when the ambulance picked them up and the daughter who was at nursery and just kind of get to the hospital. So, yeah, kids do put you through the mill a bit, don't they? Could you tell us a bit what happened um, to, well, to Eric? Because that was a fairly significant event for you guys. Yeah, I mean, just really simple. I mean, it's not—it's just the sort of thing that you you kind of know could happen. But turns out that he had a broken femur, so it's the strongest bone mm. in your body. You'd think that would be really hard to break, but actually, in 
sort of young children, active children. They tend to break at trampolining. Um, he was on a bike, but it wasn't any sort of major incident. He just skidded to a stop, put his leg out and just it just sort of twisted the wrong way. So, yeah, dead easy to do. Um, and actually, you know, it's not even a year yet. It was the 16th of October last year. And you just would not know he had broken a leg. It's absolutely amazing how kids heal. He's six. Um, so he was five when he broke it. And I remember me and Dougal both being quite, you know, worried that it would have some kind of long-term impact. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, kind of traumatic when it happened. Um, we were in hospital for 10 days with him in with his leg in traction. And then oh, he was in a cast for and a wheelchair for oh another sort of four weeks or six weeks or something. I've actually forgotten now. But basically by Christmas, um he'd he'd had it taken off and he was sort of hobbling around again. Um and got back on the bike <laughs> astonishingly fast. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And I, it would have been nice to have known when you were in the hospital in those ten days that he's going to be okay. But you would have been very worried. I think one of the one of the amazing things when this sort of stuff happens is that the NHS just kicks into action, and I'm sure it's you know the same for whatever healthcare system you're under. Just you know people who know about these things just totally take charge, um, and as a parent, you just are kind of along for the ride, really. And all you can actually do is just be there for your child. And you know he actually wasn't at all fussed. He loved being in hospital. He missed being in hospital. It was lovely. You know, he got served meals he liked um, and I wasn't trying to make him eat vegetables. Um, <laughs> he had the nurses who were, you know, popping in and out to say hello. I mean, it was great. As a five-year-old, it was it was pretty awesome. And he got to watch, you know, mountain biking videos all the time, which I was less than impressed about. And now that you've got the value of hindsight, what nuggets of advice would you pass on yeah. um yeah what what helped get through those that intense I guess traumatic bit at the beginning yeah I mean to be honest there wasn't time to think um we just we just very you know it's amazing how your routine just completely shifts so one of us had to be in the hospital with him at all times because you know he's so young and they have uh, sort of separate rooms so maybe if he'd been in a ward we wouldn't have to have been there all the time but you know he ended up in his own room so one of us had to be there all the time and we basically did kind of 12-hour shifts one of us would go to work then go to the hospital swap the car with the other one who would drive home pick up our daughter from nursery take her home um try and sort out the house a bit but yeah it was it was quite it was pretty intense but you just get through it and yeah, I mean, the, the one word of advice for, you know, parents who are going through that same thing is, you know, this too will pass. Um, it's going to be an intense period. It's going to be over. They are little and it is amazing how quickly young children recover from that sort of thing. Yes, phenomenal. He doesn't even know which leg it was he broke. He'll say, which leg was um, it, mummy? You know, he doesn't have a clue. We, we have deep wells of resilience within us that you know just sort of come out in those times and yeah you just get through it and it finishes and one day you think oh yeah oh yeah that was last year <laughs> and I wonder if that links on nicely actually I'd like to ask because you guys do a lot of adventuring outdoor stuff um and how do you manage that with the kids 
because sometimes they don't always want to um, go up the hill or go skiing or um, do what we might. So how do you guys manage? Yeah, so I think if we sort of track back a bit, you know, before children, um, our lives were pretty much going into the hills every weekend uh, for you know at least one full day quite often you know two days um in fact almost immediately before so the year before I had Eric um we both did our winter mountain leader qualification so we were out in the hills that winter you know every weekend often you know regardless of the weather because we needed to go and um you know practice our navigation and everything in you know bad conditions as well as good so then having children suddenly that kind of isn't an option anymore although with one very small child they're still quite portable so we still did have you know days out in you know sometimes in not great weather because you know I could we could protect him in a sling things like that but as they've got older yeah you know our lives have changed a lot and we still do lots of outdoor stuff but it's different outdoor stuff friends that we know who whose children are all grown up now but they said their motto was not scary not boring and I think that's what we're aspiring to as well so we definitely don't want to scare them we want them to grow up loving the outdoors um and for them to love the outdoors it has to not be boring um our kids have you know they have two modes and one is basically running and the other is stopped they don't really (laughs) walk (laughs) so we've ended up and I think the the activities that we've done have changed over time you know changed with the capabilities of the children yeah it's been a real joy sort of discovering all these new things to do in places that we've known for a long time through a different sport you slow down you have so many other things that you're you're achieving just by getting them out there and keeping everybody happy and everybody enjoying it. And it's kind of strange, actually, because I think we, you know, we've both said, um, you know, we need to keep our own skills up. We need to make sure that we go out and do stuff independently so that by the time they do want to, you know, go climbing or skiing, we're not completely rusty. And yet... (laughs) At the same time, we've, I mean, we know other parents who are way better actually getting out on their own than we are. Um, but I think for, for me and Dougal, we both really enjoy doing stuff as a family and find that really rewarding, just enabling ourselves to do that and finding ways of, of doing things together. And although I love the pretty rare times I go out on my own, it definitely doesn't have the same... Um, <laughs> It doesn't have the same obstacles to overcome and maybe for that reason it's yeah it's it's really great I love running up a hill it's nice and easy um it's not as challenging as you know trying to you know get two small children up some tiny little lump um that would take me five minutes yeah no it's a really nice way of putting it because actually there's a huge amount of satisfaction that comes back from say a day skiing with them where you've snowplowed all day with a kid between your legs but it's actually hugely rewarding and you know you, they've enjoyed it um and it's probably almost more yeah, more fun than having just gone on your own but yeah it's it, it is different and there is a balance to be struck and I'm sure like everybody I probably don't get the balance perfectly all the time but yeah 
trying to trying to bring them up so that they enjoy the outdoors is really important to us. So I, I was I'd like to ask what what was um, been one of the most recent photos or moments that you have captured? Yeah, this made me think of was just being in the park with Nina. So obviously we've been through lockdown and we've had you know both children at home. We've all spent a lot of time together, as so many families have at the moment. And she's actually really struggling with Eric going back to school. She really misses oh. him. Um, and so mummy on her own is just not such an exciting um, companion. And the weather's been miserable as well. We've had quite a lot of rain. It's been a little bit harder to get out. I've also been trying to do stuff in the house. We've got rooms that are, you know, yeah we're redecorating and so anyway for this photo was the sun had finally come out we were having you know a nice time in the park and she loves paddling she loves getting muddy um so she was kind of in her happy place um cycling through this big puddle that was on this big sort of football pitch and then uh, actually you know getting off stamping around in her wellies um letting it all the mud run through her fingers anyway she was quite happy and we were just by this um, little patch of grass where at some point in the past somebody a church group I think has mown a sort of circle into it, a spiral and encouraged people to you know walk around it and meditate and I think because you know you'd mentioned truth book and I'd had a look at some of your audio clips that you'd put on your website and Ooh, that had just got me thinking you know and just because I suppose because I'd sort of been listening to those and thinking about you know calm and then this sort of encouragement of you know meditate think about you know just sort of think about things take a moment I just thought you know what I'm just going to wander around this spiral and just have a bit of peace and quiet while she's happily occupied so I started around just sort of wandering around just quite lost in my thoughts and then suddenly she's there in my face throwing pondweed and mud all over me <laughs> and just in that moment I just hadn't seen it coming um and I just thought yeah that's parenting <laughs> you know that sort of you were quite happily you know content doing your own thing and then suddenly you're interrupted your sleep is interrupted your words are interrupted yeah and isn't it lovely they they do constantly there and you like you say you try and have these moments but it's I think with kids, when you talk about mindfulness, sometimes it's about she just trying to be with them in the moment and noticing yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, completely. But I love that that image of her playing so happily. And I guess for you to have seen that, given that she's actually had quite a struggle seeing her brother go back to school. Yeah, I think it's hard for a second child to just sort of, I mean, maybe it's very personality dependent, but certainly for a second child they've always had that older sibling there and then suddenly especially after you know what's been you know basically six months of him being there all the time um to have that taken away I think it's been she's found really tough and also because you know he comes out of school and he wants to play with his friends and you know his little sister isn't isn't quite as exciting um so yeah there's a sort of a bit of a double whammy there where she's really missed him and then he's just not that interested when she finally does get him back when do when do you get a bit of uninterrupted time yeah rarely it feels like um I think like many you know all families really when you've got preschool children you 
have bedtime after bedtime yeah you have the time once you've finished getting everything sorted out (laughs) after they've gone to bed and then you have the odd times where you know somebody else has the children um I think Mm. it's something that probably I've certainly struggled with and I think most parents probably struggle with just trying to find a bit of a balance between stuff that we do on our own um and you know with the fam with the family um yeah trying to find a balance I think is really hard and you're never going to get that balance you know it's never going to be there's never a right answer it's always kind of work in progress and it'll be different at different times as long as I can get a run every so often then I'm pretty happy really it can be quite an effort can't it to to make the decision to get out and sort it and then um you're conscious you sort of you get out and then you maybe want to rush back because you you know that there's there's kids at home yeah and actually they don't need you all the time um they really don't they even when they say oh mummy mummy don't go it doesn't really hurt them for you to be away but it is yeah there's there's trying to find a balance between doing some of that but and it's not easy I guess it's just not easy and what what would you say have been some of your best moments as a parent I think something we almost touched on a little bit before where you're just Mm -hmm. focusing on them um Mm -hmm. and I think for me that well I think I'm at my best outdoors anyway really um a lot of the time yeah those times where I am actually totally present in that moment with them are usually where we're outdoors and usually when we're out, you know, often camping, you know, where we're actually out for a decent period of time. And there just aren't the distractions that you have at home where, you know, you're constantly thinking, oh, is it time for me to make another meal yet? Or, you know, I should really get on with that job that I haven't finished yet or you know, there's always something that can distract you when you're at home. And even if you're just out around the local area, there's always a reason that, well, we've got to go back because I should really get that done before I cook the dinner. Whereas when you've actually taken the time to go somewhere with them and just focus on them and what we're doing, it's brilliant. And we have an amazing time. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, remember where we went ski touring that time when oh, I yes, actually met you. Um, yeah. So there's a lovely little camp spot there in that pine forest that we've been to a few oh. times. And I took them there a couple of weeks ago. And it's just wonderful. Just They can just run around. They can do whatever they like. And I don't have anything else to do. You know, <laughs> the, the reason that we're all there is that we can just do things together. We walked up the hill and then on the way down, they just went in every peat bog there was. Um, <laughs> they were filthy, but it didn't matter because we could strip off down at the bottom and we were going home. So, yeah, I mean, that's mm. the sort of time where I think we're all at our best. Um, do you notice that they respond differently to you in, in those those camping away from everything moments? Yeah, I mean, they're clearly enjoying it. And one of the things that's nice as they get older is that they actually do occasionally tell you that they're appreciating it. Um, I think they were, I mean, particularly Nina, actually, I think it was probably her as we were going down the hill and (laughs) one particular muddy puddle must have prompted it. She was like, this is the best day ever, (laughs) Um, which is just wonderful because you don't often get that from them. 
and it's just nice that occasionally they they do recognize that this is just brilliant and i get yeah it's those moments isn't it that you hold on to and they can buffer the harder moments yeah so what what would you say are the the more stressful parenting moments uh, <laughs> leaving aside the phone calls to be told that your son has broken his leg. Um, I think the just sort of day-to-day stuff, actually, you know, when you're all trying to get out in the morning to work, to school, to nursery, and there's sort of time pressure. If there's, yeah, I would like to be calmer in those situations. And I'm sure that's the same as um, plenty of other folk, to be honest. If you did have a sense of what you might look like in those moments if there was a cartoon that would kind of depict what it's like what would it what would it look like oh uh, probably some kind of screaming banshee with you know school bags and nursery bags and children and pack lunches and you know just sort of like stuff um kind of madly scattered that you're trying to corral and you know get out the door yeah i mean one of the rather good things about having lockdown has been that you know that just hasn't that just was not an issue and I know I'm not the only parent to actually have really appreciated that that we haven't had the same sort of stressful periods every morning just trying to get everything sorted and out the house it doesn't seem to matter how much I prepare the night before but still and it also I think one of the things is you know I didn't used to expect the children to get dressed themselves whereas now as they're getting older there's a bit more expectation but there's mostly zero action <laughs> so in that transition where you're like oh they could actually get themselves dressed but you then <laughs> they, they need to from their point of view they still like their clothes laid out and they like you to get them dressed yeah I mean I think it's it's entirely motivation so they have just got new scooters which they're hugely excited about so on Sunday morning they got themselves up dressed breakfasted they got the helmets down from the sort of quite high place where they're kept that I didn't even realize they could reach they got the key they opened the door got the scooters out and we're out on the street by nine o'clock in the morning <laughs> entirely by themselves so I know they can do it <laughs> but a they, school day zero motivation but they they might regret that I think oh we just like you just shown mummy that we can actually do all of it what do you think it would be helpful for us to talk more about as families and parenting like oh quirky I think there's all sorts of aspects that we'd but we probably all need to be more open about. I think one thing that has actually really surprised me as a parent has been just sort of a sense that my children are growing up in a world that seems even more gendered than the world that I grew up in in the 1980s. I mean, I, I remember taking them to a kid's birthday party and one came out with a pink, well, Nina, the girl came out with a pink party bag and Eric came out with a blue one. And my heart just yeah. sank. Um, and I think particularly because I, you know, I studied physics, I've worked in engineering companies and, you know, there's obviously in those industries, there's a lot of talk about how there need to be more women involved. Hadn't seemed like too big a deal to me you know obviously I was in the minority a lot of the time but it had never really been a problem at least not for me personally and so then realizing that actually the world seems to be a bit more divided into pink and blue than I had anticipated was a bit of a shock when I had 
when I had the children, really. I I don't quite know. I think we do still have really, really deep cultural expectations of what mums and dads do. And equality isn't really just about enabling women to work in traditionally male jobs. It really needs to be much more about equity and valuing childcare and looking after the elderly, as well as valuing you know, fee earning work. So I'm not quite sure. I don't think we're quite as far along the road to proper equality as as I had naively thought that we were. Yeah. And well, you just described it very well. I think what what we need to aim towards, um, and I like what you said there about it's not trying to get women to work in traditional male roles. It's about not having female roles and male roles. It's just having that equity. And I don't want to devalue, there's been huge, huge good work um, that's gone on to making the world of work um, an easier place for women to have a career and maintain a career after they've had children. But we also need to enable men. And I know, I think that sounds, it sounds a bit weird, but those same opportunities I don't think are as open to men. Um, there's still a cultural expectation that they're going to be career focused rather than work part-time and I think they you know fathers lack the same social networks that mums do it's almost like we need to make the world a fairer place for men as well as women <laughs> um, and yeah I, I think we need to address we, d- we do need to address sort of both sides of sides of that coin and we also need to value you know childcare properly I don't think the answer mm. is necessarily just having you know paying other people to look after our children that just isn't going to be the right answer for everybody so yeah no it's thank you it's very very well put as we as we bring our uh conversation to an end i'd like to ask you susie what what's your truth book confession for us (laughs) (laughs) again you've had a bit of a heads up (laughs) i've had a bit of a heads up well actually it's really it's funny that you should sort of say it um like one of those things where you're sort of like, oh, crikey, I hope no one saw that. And this is just totally trivial. <laughs> but I was walking with Nina um, to the school to pick Eric up. And she said, skip, mummy. I was like, oh, crikey, you know, I'm a grown up. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I was like, okay, hold her hand. We skipped along the pavement. And I didn't meet anybody's eye. I sort of wasn't even really looking because I'm sort of, you know, supposed to be grown up now. Anyway, so we picked him up. We were walking back. And one of the mums that I know through the parent council just sort of smiled at me and said, "Skip, skipping. So, yeah, my, my sort of the lesson I've learned from that is, you know, just don't care what other people think. Just get on with it and, yeah, have fun. Well, I have now a lovely image of you skipping along in your happy moments and also as a banshee. <laughs> thanks. Um, so thank you very much, Susie, and thanks for coming on. Brilliant. Well, thank you for inviting me. Wow, I loved listening to Susie and such wise words. Here's to bringing our children up in a more equal world and one where parents can skip down the road without a care in the world. And if you enjoyed this episode, help me grow the Truthbook community, share it with a friend and subscribe for more. Or even better, come on Truthbook. 
Your words could be someone else's survival guide.